Would you please turn with me to your study outlines that you're going to find there in your program. And as you're turning, let me welcome those of you, uh, about a thousand every week, that uh, over a thousand every week that join us online for our study of God's Word. We are so glad that you're joining us, as well as our friends at Purpose Church in Kalispell, Montana, and also our friends in Arco, Idaho, at the Baptist Community Church. We are so glad that you're joining us today for our study of God's Word. Uh, last Sunday, we started a new series called The Journey that is based on the fifth book of the Bible, the book of Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's considered one of the most important books in the Bible, one of the most foundational books of the Bible, and yet pastors and churches hardly ever talk about it. And so we're going to fix that at Purpose Church this summer by spending the summer in it. Would everybody turn with me to the second page of your study outline? The second page, halfway down, it says, Digging Deeper. And so what we're going to do is each Sunday, either Pastor Eric or myself, either Pastor Eric or me, uh, will preach from the upcoming three chapters in Deuteronomy. And then Monday through Saturday, we as a church, about 20 verses per day, we're going to read together 20 verses each day for those six days, uh, those three chapters that we just preached on. Then the next uh, six days, we'll read through those passages and then pick up a new one on Sunday and do the SOAP method of Bible study that you'll see there explained in your study guide, S-O-A-P. Now, if you were here last Sunday and you were already behind in your Bible reading, like me, No problem, no problem. If you weren't here last Sunday, so you're already behind, no problem. Because Sean McDowell is coming next Sunday, we've got a catch-up week already. Two weeks in, we got a catch-up week. Now, there won't be any more of those through the summer, but we've got a catch-up week, and so we can catch up because we won't be doing it uh, next week with Sean McDowell being here. We're going to do this for 66 days, and research has found that it takes an average of 66 days to create a habit. So this summer, if you don't have the daily habit of spending time reading the Bible, this habit will change your life. There probably is no habit that will change your life more than this habit. And so this summer, we as a church are going to create a new habit that's just going to change our lives. Now, today we want to talk about how to take the next generation with you on the journey. And it's based on the three chapters we're going to read this coming week, Deuteronomy chapters 4, 5, and 6. Now, as I said last Sunday, Deuteronomy is mainly composed of three farewell sermons that Moses gave to the young, new generation of Israelites. So Deuteronomy is kind of like a baby boomer preacher preaching three sermons to a nation of millennials. That's basically what Deuteronomy is. A baby boomer, Moses, preaching three sermons to a new generation of, of millennials. Uh, or it's like anybody in the older generation. Anybody in the older generation uh, sharing Bible principles that you have learned one-on-one with the younger generation. So Deuteronomy is like this perfect book for a multi-generational church like, like Purpose Church. Now there are five major themes in the book of Deuteronomy. Number one is don't forget God. Number two is to care for the disadvantaged. This is a major theme in Deuteronomy, to take care of the disadvantaged. Number three, obedience is essential to success in the Christian journey. Number four is be open to the future, and we talked about that last Sunday. And now, number five, no generation stands alone. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, when we talk about generation or the next generation, there are two ways to apply this. It could mean the next generation of your children 
and grandchildren. That is literally within your family, your children, your grandchildren, your nephews, your nieces. Um, never underestimate the power that you have as an uncle or as an aunt. Okay, so maybe you don't have children yet or you don't at, at all. You won't have children. But if you're an uncle or an aunt, there is tremendous. You know, uncles and aunts have such a power in children's lives. Uncles and aunts are like a cooler version of your mom or dad. Have you, did you find that in your life? They're like a cooler version of your mom and dad. I remember my Uncle Bob. And uh, when I was a teenager, I thought he was so much cooler than my dad. I eventually realized how cool my dad was, but I didn't understand it for a number of years. But Uncle Bob, oh, he was so cool. He had been shot in a deer hunting accident. And here's the cool part about it. It wasn't an accident. This fellow farmer, a farmer in the farm next to him, thought he was over the line on his farmland and was hunting on his land and shot my uncle. How cool is that? And he, and he had this hole in his chest right here that went about two inches deep. And so as a little kid, he would let me stick my finger in the hole of his bullet wound. And so, like, I thought he was the coolest thing ever, man. And he liked watching football. My dad didn't like watching football. And so, so if you're an uncle or an aunt, you have tremendous influence. You have some power there to influence the, the next generation. And so uh, Moses writes in Deuteronomy chapter 11. He says, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Now, there's another application for next generation. The next generation in the family of faith. That is, if, if you're a part of Purpose Church, you, you have a responsibility to share the faith with the next generation. And so, as, as a member of the family of faith, Paul writes uh, to the church in Galatia and what is today the nation of Greece and he wrote these words, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Uh, Socrates uh, once uh, wrote, fellow citizens, why do you turn and scrape every stone to gather wealth and take so little care of your children to whom one day you must relinquish it all? Now, this means that the whole church is to be committed to uh, taking the next generation with us on the journey. That's why during ch child dedications, uh, we always dedicate the child, then we dedicate the, the parents, but then I have all of you stand up, all of us as a church, and dedicate us as a church to sharing our faith, to passing the baton to the next generation. And I just want you to know, I praise God for those of you, and you can define older generation, younger generation. You can figure out where you put that line. I just know I'm part of the older generation now. And, um, and, and so you can, uh, I still remember the first time in staff meeting. When I came here 25 years ago, I was the youngest pastor on staff. I was the youngest person on staff. And I, all of a sudden, one day I realized I had become the oldest pastor on staff, or one of the oldest pastors on staff. And all of a sudden, I, I realized that they were we. We was they. And so I crossed that line. And so uh, I just am so thankful for those of you, the older generation, that mentor younger people in, in, in the younger generation. I mean, uh, some of you do it formally through something like spiritual grandparents that Courtney Romero and Pastor Eric and Pastor Randy have put together. So some of you do it formally uh, through the church. Some of you do it informally. I'm so grateful for those of you that serve in children's and student ministries. Uh, for those of you that volunteer to teach kids on, on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, 
Uh, for those of you that have it off in your schedule so you can help with kids camp uh, that Sarah was, was just talking about. And I encourage you, join me today at 1 o'clock over in the H building. Uh, something that was not mentioned in the program is lunch is provided. And Kimberly's out of town, so this is how I'm going to feed the kids is by going over there. And so, uh, man, you can basically feed your family multiple times a week with the free meals around Purpose Church. And so I I encourage you, come join me and and be trained, and we're just going to have a great time with Kids Camp. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, verses 9 and 40. But watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. Man, that becomes harder to obey that command all the time, I'm telling you. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. If you obey all the decrees and commands I'm giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. I'm giving you these instructions so you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord your God is, is, is giving you for all, for all time. And, and, and then Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is really uh, the main passage we're going to spend time in this morning. It is considered one of the most important uh, passages on passing the baton to the next generation in all the Bible. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey, that all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel. In other translations, it says, hear, O Israel. This is the most important verse for the Jewish faith. The most important verse in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, what the Jewish people would call their their ancient writings, is called the Shema, which is translated either listen or hear. And, And you're not here by accident this morning. I believe you are here by divine appointment. It's not an accident that you're watching online right now. Maybe you're listening by podcast uh, later on. It's not an accident. And God invited you here at this moment to say, listen, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Let's hold this verse for just one moment. The Lord is our God. And if, and if he's our Lord, that means we put him first in every area of our lives. If if we call him Lord, then that means we are to place him first. That other things, even good things, are to take a second place to him. That when good things come in conflict with the ultimate thing, following the Lord, the ultimate thing wins because he is Lord. Hear, O Israel, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, And all your strength. Let's hold this for just a minute. He starts with love. This is very interesting. He doesn't cut right to the chase and say, obey these commands. He starts with love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Then he pivots to commands, verse 6. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. He starts with love, and then he moves to uh, commands. Now, here's the big idea uh, for today. 
Model your love of God to the next generation. Model your love of God to the next generation. First love, then commands. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to sound a little bit crazy, but let me explain myself. You don't do what you know is right or wrong. I mean, think about it for a minute. Uh, You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm just thinking to myself, how many of us have done something wrong or thought something wrong or said something wrong this week that we knew was wrong? Or how many of us have failed to do something right, say something right, think something right, do something right that we knew was right? You, You don't do what you know is right and wrong. You know what you do? You do what you love. You do what you love. I mean, let me give the example of, of if you have children. Uh, your children, there's one area of their life, particularly if they're like older than four, five, six, maybe they're getting up 10, 11, 12 or so or, or beyond. Your children, there's one area that they love. Uh, maybe it's um, uh, a subject at school. Maybe it's a sport. Maybe it's a hobby. Um, maybe it's, it, it's a certain video game or video games in general. There's one thing that they love. And in that area, They are disciplined, (laughs) they talk about it, they're committed to it. The rest of their life might be a train wreck. Their room might be a train wreck, why? Because they don't love picking up their room. Uh, Other areas of their life might be a train wreck. Uh, Subjects that they don't care about may be a train wreck. They may be a hot mess in other areas, but in the one area, the thing they love, they're disciplined, they talk about it, they're committed to it. And the same thing is true with adults. Our kids, here's the most important thing I'm going to say this morning. Our kids pick up on what we love. They pick up on that. I mean, what do we talk about? What do we prioritize? Uh, When two things in our schedule conflict with each other, which one wins? What do we put first? Who do we put first? You see, apathy in one generation leads to apostasy in the next generation. Let me repeat that. Apathy in one generation leads to apostasy in the next generation. Now, let me just do a little sidebar, and then we're going to get back to the main point of what I'm talking about here. Just a little word of advice to to parents of young children, or if you will have children uh, later on in, in your future, don't criticize the church and other Christians in the presence of your children. Do that in private. Now, I'm not saying pastors or the church are above criticism. We, we do plenty that deserves criticism. Just do it in private. Don't do it in front of your children. So many people, their kids have been raised on roast pastor or roast church for lunch after church on Sunday. And their kids hear all this stuff. And then we're, we're surprised when they walk away from the faith later on because they don't want anything to do with all those people that their parents have been talking about or that church that the parents have been talking about. So save that criticism for, for in private. Don't do it in the, in the presence of your children. Now back to the main point. Matthew 6.33, when I was in high school, I made this my life verse. It's, it's my life verse. I've tried to direct my life for this principle right here. Uh, Jesus said, but seek first... God's kingdom, his kingdom, and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Now, let's hold this for just a moment. These things are not bad things. And please, as you hear the rest of my message, remember that I said this. 
All these things are not bad things. They're just not the things that we should seek first. Okay? We're to seek first God's will, his plan, his purpose, his kingdom. And then these things, which are good things, they will fall into place as well. Now let me say a word to parents. Um, as you've just finished a school year, parents with your children still at home, I just want to say a special word to you. As you've just finished a school year and you're beginning to decide now what to be committed to as a family this fall, I know you're already having conversations about you finished this year, what are you going to be committed to in the fall? Um, for about the next 12 minutes, I'm going to punch a little harder than I usually do. Just 12 minutes. And then I'm going to back off and I'm going to encourage you Hang with me through this next 12 minutes. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to give you hope. But I'm just asking permission for those of you with older kids that, that, that are now kind of moved beyond that young stage. I'm asking your permission to just speak to the young parents or the potential parents here for just, just the, the next 12 minutes. And I know with our kids already raised that, that some of this can be painful to hear, but hang with me because I'm going to give you hope and I'm going to give you encouragement um, but I'm just going to punch a little harder for the next 12 minutes. As a matter of fact, turn to the person next to you right now and repeat after me. Okay, turn to the person right next to you. I am going to forgive Pastor Glenn. Right now, out loud. <laughs> I am going to forgive Pastor Glenn for what he is about to say, for what he is about to say during the next 12 minutes. During the next 12 minutes. Okay. Now I want you to remember that I love you I am for you. I am your biggest cheerleader and your biggest fan. I want you to succeed at the things that matter. 20 years from now, I want you to, to think back and say, Pastor Glenn spoke the truth to me in love. Francis Chan once said, our great fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. And I want to speak to you from the future, from 20, I want to speak to you from 20 years from now. Kimberly and I are on the other side of parenting from you. We're speaking from 20 years from your future. And here's the big point of today. Model for your kids. Let your kids seeing you putting God first. Let your kids, they're watching, and let them see you Putting God first in your schedule, in your priorities, in all things in your life. Now, this is a hard thing to do in what I'm going to call our youth activities culture. And if you can come up with a fancier name than that, let me know before the 1111 service. YAC, our Southern California youth activities culture. And I want to challenge those parents who are giving in to the YAC, the youth activities culture. And I, and I also want to encourage those parents who are resisting the YAC, the youth activities culture, and you feel like bad parents because you're doing that. As a matter of fact, I think that's going to be most of who I'm talking to today. I got to thinking about this, and that's the, the great thing about when you go through a, a passage of the Bible systematically, like we're going through Deuteronomy, you just deal with what's coming. That's what you've got. 
And I thought to myself, Glenn, you are preaching this on June 9th. You've only got the hardcore people there on June 9th. I got the spiritual Marines here on the hottest day so far in 2019. I've got the spiritual Marines on June 9th. If I wanted to challenge parents that are giving into the YAC, the youth activities culture, I should have preached this sermon on Easter Sunday or on Christmas Eve. It would not have been a very popular sermon on those days. All right. But I'm talking to you on June 9th. So my guess is mainly who I'm talking to is to encourage those parents who are resisting the YAC, the youth activities culture, and you feel like bad parents because you're doing that. But I want to encourage you that in 20 years, all the marks of success turn upside down. Now, they completely turn upside down in heaven for eternity, just like Francis Chan was talking about. They completely turn upside down when we get to heaven. I mean, the things that people consider valuable now won't be valuable for eternity. The things people don't think are all that valuable now are going to be incredibly valuable for the eternity. But the the beautiful thing about getting older is that you begin to get a a glimpse of what it's going to be like in heaven because you see priorities begin to shift over the last 20 years and you get a taste that that's what it's completely going to be like when, when, when we get to heaven. All the marks of success in 20 years are going to turn upside down. I remember when we were young parents and we had our daughter Abby and uh, we went over to some friend's house for dinner, and their daughter was about the same age as Abby, but she, their daughter was reading way ahead of Abby. And I went to bed just laying awake, staring at the ceiling, so worried. My daughter is just a loser, man. I mean, you know, we, we, or, or, or we are, we are lo- you know, she's not a loser. We're loser parents. We're not doing more. We're not doing more on this thing. Man, man we are not giving her a competitive edge we're not doing enough to give her an advantage in life. We got, we got to do more, or, or Kimberly's got to do more. Uh, you know, Kimberly's got to do more. We, we, we got to do more on this thing. Uh, I remember uh, Abby, our firstborn, was very, very strong-willed. Let me say a word of encouragement to those of you with strong-willed children. They will beat you down. <laughs> but they, they make great adults. They make great adults. And, man, she was our first one. And everybody in the church knew it, that we had this strong-willed child. And I tell you, I couldn't preach on parenting for 20 years, man. I, I just Nobody would listen to me. They would laugh and say, what are you talking to us for? You've got Abby as your daughter. What, what are you talking about? And then, and then one of our closest friends, um, they had their firstborn named DJ. DJ. DJ was extremely compliant. DJ would do whatever DJ was asked to do. And then there was Abby. And they, they were well-meaning, but they would share. We could tell they looked down on us, and, 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 and they would share things like, have you ever read James Dobson's books? And we're like, read them, we've memorized them. We have pages of them taped all over our home. Yes, we know, we know. So, so we prayed God's judgment on that family. <laughs> and we said, God, we need, we need some help here. And so he sent them their second-born name, Seth. And Seth was a hellraiser, man. And we were like, thank you, Jesus, for answering our, our, our prayer to humble these arrogant friends of ours. And, and they actually came to us and apologized. They said, you probably didn't notice, but we kind of looked down. At you. No, we noticed. We noticed. And they said, but now we kind of get it, and, and, and we've been humbled on this thing. Now, I want you to know, Kimberly and I had our six kids, our six kids. We had them in everything. 
We had them in soccer and baseball and orchestra and softball. I even coached Little League. And God's judgment on me is I was forced to wear a Yankees uniform all year long. I had to wear a Yankees uniform coaching Little League. We had them in basketball and football and drama and choir. And I'm, I'm probably forgetting half of them. And those things are wonderful things. They build self-esteem in our children. They build teammanship and building in our children. Some of our best family memories are around our children and grandchildren now being in sports. Those are some of our favorite family uh, memories. But our kids always knew that God came first, that church came first, that the things of God came first. We, were, we loved those things. We were involved in those things up to our eyeballs. But our kids always knew that God came first. And I want you to know, we felt guilty. Uh, we felt the pressure from other parents that we weren't giving our kids every opportunity. I mean, we weren't giving them the edge. Uh, it's one thing to preach it. It's another to bet your kid's future on it. You say, well, Glenn, you had to do that. You're a pastor. You had to do that. Well, my dad was a businessman. He was president of a lumber company. And we had the same priorities in our home when we were growing up. I just knew that regardless of what we were involved in, and we missed out on some stuff, and I missed out on some stuff because God came first in our family. And, and I remember when I was a parent, I remember worrying that I was putting my kids at a disadvantage um, uh, for their future educational and work opportunities. I, I thought they wouldn't have the edge that other kids did. But I just want to encourage you that God worked it out. I'm talking to you from 20 years in your future. God worked it out. Uh, Andrew is an air traffic controller, and Jessica's a teacher, and Lee and Aaron are school teachers, and John's a missionary in Peru, and Natalia's a doctor, and strong-willed Abby, the slow reader, has had a very fulfilling career in Congress, because they don't read the bills anyway, you know. But... <laughs> if they did, they'd be like, what? We're doing this to boy? What are we doing to the people? Um, Kenny, Kenny's a lawyer with the Justice Department. I mean, and most importantly, they're following Jesus. I talked to a man this week, one of the most successful men I know, one of the most successful men I know, educationally and career-wise. And I asked him about his children, and he didn't talk about education. He didn't talk about their career success. All he talked about was what signs he saw that they were following Jesus. That's all he wanted to talk about because everything changes in 20 years. I saw something online the other day that just punched me in the gut, just punched me in the gut. It said uh, 0.02, there's a 0.0296% chance that your child will become a professional athlete. There's a 100% chance that your child will stand before Jesus someday. Get them to church. Sometimes satire can get our attention better than anything. That's why skits on Saturday Night Live are so powerful. And there's this thing sweeping the nation right now called the Babylon Bee. It's like a Christian version of the onion. If you're familiar with the satirical onion where you think you're reading an, an article and you think it's real and then you realize it's, it's fake. Well, that's the way the Babylon Bee is. It's just sweeping the nation, especially among Christians. 
Well, do you know their editor-in-chief grew up in our church, Kyle Mann, grew up in our, our church, and he's the editor-in-chief of the Babylon Bee, and, and they had an article recently, and this article is not true, it's a satire. After 12 years of quarterly church attendance, parents shocked by daughter's lack of faith. And the article um, goes like this, Fullerton, California. Local father Trevor Michelson, age 48, and his wife Carrie, age 45, are reeling after discovering that after 12 years of steadily taking their daughter Janie to church every Sunday, they didn't have a more pressing sport commitment, which was at least once every three months. She no longer demonstrates the strong quarterly commitment to the faith they raised her with now that she's college-aged. Trevor Michelson was simply stunned at the revelation. I just don't understand it. Almost every single time there was a rained-out game or a break between school and club team seasons, we had Janie in church. It was at least once per quarter. And aside from the one tournament in 2011, we never missed an Easter. It was obviously a priority in our family. I just don't get where her spiritual apathy is coming from. I can't tell you how often we prayed the prayer of Jabez on the way to a game, added Janie's mother. You know, the more I think about it, the more this illustrates how the church just keeps failing this generation, lamented Trevor, citing a recently Googled study by Barna or someone. The Michelsons further noted plans to have a chat with the pastor of their church after their younger son Robert's soccer season calms down a bit. Now here's what Moses warns us about through the annals of history from 3,500 years ago. Uh, this, this, is what he, this is what he says. Let's go back to verse 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What's his point here? The point is make talking about God a part of your everyday life. Everybody take a deep breath. The 12 minutes is over. Let me give you a word of encouragement. This does not guarantee success. I tell you, as your pastor, if I could guarantee success from what I just shared with you, I literally, I would cut my right hand off if I could do that. I, I would. I bet you'd do that as a parent for your kids. Um, it doesn't guarantee success. It just increases your odds. And for those of you that maybe have adult children that have, have drifted, drifted from the faith, I want to just encourage you. That's not saying that you didn't do these things. Adult children make their own decisions about spiritual things. And you have no control over that. All you can control is your part of the environment in your home. Your part. Because I know this takes mom and dad. So all you can do is control your part of the environment in your home uh, when they are under your control. But let me encourage you. You can pray. And there is power in that. And you still have more influence than you think you do, even if with their adults. I talked to a man just yesterday 
who just out of the blue, didn't know I was going to preach this message, he just shared that his son that he had prayed for for over 40 years just committed his life to Jesus Christ and is on fire for Jesus. Over 40 years he's prayed for that boy. Over 40 years he's, he's worried about his spiritual direction. And so you can pray and you still have influence. And, and don't feel excessive. Satan wants to taunt you. He wants to use my message, the words of this, to, to taunt you. Don't you let him do that. You remember God's first two children, Adam and Eve, were in a perfect cultural environment called the Garden of Eden. And we know how that turned out. There are no perfect parents. There are just those who are trying to do the right thing to the best of our ability. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Uh, last uh, Sunday night, um, Courtney Romero, um, Pastor Eric, they planned one of the most powerful events I've ever been a part of. Our senior dinner for our graduating um, seniors from, from Purpose Church. Biggest number we've ever had at our, at our senior dinner. And it was, just, it was just an unbelievably powerful event. And, uh, and Pastor Eric shared something. I spoke to the, to the graduates, and he spoke to the parents. And he said something I'd never thought of before, and I've been laughing about it all week long. I just thought, I just got a kick out of it. Pastor Eric said he was encouraging the parents that there are no perfect parents. And he said, remember, when Jesus was 12 years old, Mary and Joseph lost him for four days. Four days, not four minutes, losing track of him at Disneyland. Not 14 minutes, we lost Noah for 14 minutes at the beach one day, longest 14 minutes of our life. He was only three or four. We lost him for 14 minutes and that, that was, no, no, they lost him for four days. If that was today, social services would take Jesus out of the home, you know, I mean, that just is not right. And so none of us are perfect parents. Uh, Mary and Joseph were just trying to do the best they, they could, and that worked out in the end. So that's all we, that's all we can ask. Um, four C's of what Moses is talking about here. Number one is consistency. you got to repeat biblical principles to your children again and again. They won't just get it one time. Did you ever tell your children once not to throw their clothes on the floor of their room, and that was it? They just... That was it. DJ did it. <laughs> but nobody else does. You got to be consistent. You got to repeat it over and over. Dwayne Johnson said, success isn't always about greatness. It's about consistency. Consistent hard work leads to success. Greatness will come. Michelle Fan, who's a YouTube celebrity makeup artist, she said, it's very easy to make a viral video but longevity and consistency, that's hard. Arsene Wenger, who's the legendary um, French soccer manager, he said, when you look at people who are successful, you'll find that they aren't the people who are motivated, but they're the ones that have consistency in their motivation. Number two, clarity. Um, what is being said to your children is not necessarily what's being heard. I get that as a pastor all the time. They say, Pastor Glenn, I can't believe you said that in your sermon. And I'll say, I didn't say that. And I'll point them to the website. Listen to the message again. I didn't say that. Or this is what happens most of the time. Or if someone says, boy, that thing you said in your sermon, that blessed me so much when you said such and such. And for the life of me, I can't remember ever saying that particular thing. But I don't tell them that. 
I still say, I am so glad I said that, and I'm so glad that it blessed you. Uh, Say to your children, hey, say back to me what I just said to you for clarity. Speak back to me what I just said. And each of your children are going to say different things because God made them all differently. Creativity. Legendary choreographer Twyla Tharp said, creativity is not just for artists. It's for business people who are looking for a new way to close a sale. It's for engineers trying to solve a problem. It's for parents who want their children to see the world in more than one way. I'm not a very creative person. But uh, our family, one of the things we do is high and lows. You know, sit down to dinner. What was the highlight of today? What's the thing that you like the most about today? What's your low? What's the thing you didn't like? Or at the end of vacation, what was your favorite part? What was your least favorite part? Just gets you, it just is a way to get our kids speaking and talking to us. And then number four, counsel. Your children are never too young and never too old to need wise counsel from their parents. And then the four enemies of the four C's, misplaced loves. If the only thing we talk to our kids about is sports, grades, and looks, that's where they're going to think that our worth comes from, sports and grades and looks. A weak marriages, best thing you can do for our, we can do for our kids is to work on our marriages. And we just happen to have a tremendous marriage ministry here at Purpose Church. So I encourage you, go to the Connect Center. There are classes that we have. There are seminars that we have. There are mentoring that we have. The third is non-present presence. Non-present presence. Did any of you in the Denzel Washington, did, did any of you in, in the clip from Denzel Washington, did any of you see the young lady on her cell phone right behind Denzel? Did you guys see that? I'm like, are you kidding me? Denzel Washington is speaking nine feet in front of you. I mean, if you're a young lady, just stare at him the whole time, you know. But regardless, I mean, Denzel Washington speaking. But you know what? I'll confess to you, I am often on my cell phone when somebody way more important than Denzel Washington is present. And that's my children and my grandchildren. And they want my attention, and I'm on the cell phone. Um, um, and, and, And I confess to that. Barbara Bush said, at the end of your life, you'll never regret not having passed one more test, not winning one more verdict, or not closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband, a friend, a child, or a parent. Candace Cameron Buer said, the memories we make with our family, uh, that is everything, particularly the memories of spiritual milestones and God's biblical principles. Now, listen, I'm praying that anything I said that is not of God, that by the time you get to your life group or by the time you get to your car, I'm praying you're going to forget it. But anything that is of God, I'm praying you'll remember it and we'll put it into practice. Listen, I know parenting is hard. But by the grace of God, by his amazing grace, you know, it is hard because we are broken vessels. We are broken vessels But because of his amazing grace and with his help, we can do it. And all God's family said, amen.